We are, again, we're so grateful. There's so many wonderful churches in San Angelo, and you chose to celebrate with us, and we're thankful that you, that you have, uh, that you have chosen that and have done that. And of course, guess what we're gonna talk about today? We're gonna talk about the resurrection. We're gonna talk about the fact that that grave doesn't have any bones or bone dust or any of that stuff in it. That that grave got emptied. And we're going to talk about why that even matters to us. Why, why anybody even should care. So if you've got your version app open, crack that open, get that, that thing ready to rock. And if you've got your notes, let's just jump headlong into, <clears throat> headlong into the middle of this. I mean, straight up, baby. I mean, that's what headlong means. <laughs> Apparently, it's okay to ask questions. It always is. Um, but today, today we are celebrating Jesus' victory over death. And with that, then we're, it kind of begs the question, why on earth, why did death need to be whooped? Why did death need to be taken head on? Why did death need to be challenged and defeated to begin with? You know, because if, if we kind of look at other people in the world and other things, we can kind of decide that, you know what? There's some people that are really, really, really messed up in the world, but I'm not one of them. You know, there's some really jacked up people, people that maybe ought to be slapped or thrown in prison or, or something, but I'm not one of those. I'm, I'm going to fall in the good part. Just about all of us, when we do that self-inspection thing, we tend to round up on ourselves. And so just like everybody, you say, are you a better than average driver? Well, like 90% of people ask, say they're better than average. That's impossible. It's statistically impossible. So guess what? So we kind of need to figure out why this whole challenge death thing needed to begin and needed to happen anyways. And the first thing is we need to understand God's motive. Okay? God just wasn't out looking for a fight. Okay? God just, Jesus wasn't just looking for something to take on. He wasn't just sitting up there and having bored and say, I want to whoop something today. There's a reason here. And so in our notes, we're going to get into this. God wanted to defeat death. Because it had captured his beloved. You want to understand why the cross happened, why the empty grave happened? Just look around. Just look around. Just flip through your, your Facebook friends. Just look at your pictures on your phone and look at all those faces. That is why. It's you and I. Death had to be confronted because death had captured God's most cherished thing on of all creation. It had captured us. It had grabbed us. So for us to kind of build this case and look at this, we're going to go back to the first part of this book, the first part of this story. We're going to go look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Let's start in verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. This is man's first day, first dawn. The sun is out, man is breathing oxygen for the first time, breathed into him by the breath of God himself. This is the very first mouth-to-mouth suscitation. It wasn't resuscitation, it never lived. So it's suscitation. And so, and, uh, and so the breath of God comes in, and here's Adam on his first day. He is in the perfect place that God had prepared for him. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. It is man's first day. What a beautiful morning for us to witness and to be a part of as God lovingly breathes life. Now let's look 
And on down in Genesis 2, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, then you will surely die. You can have anything. You can have anything. But if you eat of this, you reach out there and you take that in and you consume that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, death is right there. Immediate, right there. It is coming in and it is now going to have dominion. It is now going to be a part of your life. So God's totally cheating for Adam. It's not like he threw it out there into some time bomb and he just kind of, he knew, he knew what was up. He knew the cost. He knew everything that was associated with it. But see, I love this beautiful thing, this beautiful thing. And we'll get into it in a minute. That this thing with death, God, I love the fact that, that he has this grace element that works in everything that he does. And even death, the fact that these mortal bodies, get, we get done with them. And that we exit this part of our life. It is, has an element of grace in it. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. Oh, God is so good. Even here there's grace. Genesis 2.25. We move on and we jump forward. And, and in between those verses we see that God wants him to live in community. He looks at man and says it's not good for him to be alone. Now Adam, well, we, you know, he don't have any socks. So it wasn't because his room was dirty. That God said I need to create Eve so she can pick up after him. Woman, just know that 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 was not why. Man, that was not why. God didn't say, wow, the garden is a mess. How are we going to do this? We need something else here. Woo, this is not good for this guy to be left to himself. Um, No, it was about community. It was about being connected. It 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 was about all of the beautiful things that relationships have. And so God does this new creative work and takes a piece of something he had already created and fashioned a woman. You know, I love that it's been pointed out that men are made from dirt and women were fashioned. No wonder my wife always hits them all. And I would rather be out in the field hunting. And, um, and so and he fashions the woman. And then here they are. There's two of them. They're there in perfection. And Genesis 2.25 says the man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. We were just at Acquire the Fire, and they're kind of going through the, the creation process. And as soon, I mean, you got 8,000 teenagers, and you say the word naked. They're all in love with God. They're all worshiping. And all of a sudden, you say naked, and they're like, Woo! Like, what is up with this? Now, it wasn't our teens, bless God. Our teens did not woohoo the nakedness. We're thankful. Wasn't your kids. But other kids. Other people's kids. Did it. But why were they naked and they felt no shame, but yet all of a sudden you get a bunch of teenagers together and you say naked and they're like, woo! Well, what's that? Where'd that woo come from? There's this thing of this understanding. I'm so sorry, Paisley. There is this thing. Making the babies cry. Um, there's this thing that we now have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve have not eaten yet. They have no knowledge of a destructive, sinful use of the naked form. There's nothing wrong with the naked form. 
God created man and woman, husband and wife, to be naked together, and it's a good thing. And there's no shame in it whatsoever. The problem is, the problem is, is when this understanding of evil comes in. And all of a sudden it takes something that God had created for good and it puts this ugly bent on it and makes it something else. That's why they were able to live in that state. And because that thing, that understanding of the destructive use of it had not come in. And that was what happened when they ate of the tree of this, of the knowledge of good and evil. They now, with their choosers, they have options that bring life and they have options that bring death. And they automatically, by, by disobeying God, they had already proven that they were going to choose the death cycle. So as soon as they got knowledge of things that were destructive, as soon as they got knowledge of things that were destructive, then they immediately began to walk in death. We see their immediate reaction is, is to hide from God. We see that they immediately begin to pull away. All of those different things. But God, in his great love, he steps in here. Because here we have this knowledge of good and evil. We can do good stuff. And we can do really, really jacked up, messed up stuff. And God steps in. Let's look at Genesis 3. It says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat. And live forever. You know what? There was something worse. There was something worse than their disobedience. There was something worse than that. There was something that if they had taken from the tree of life. And then had reached out. And had lived forever. Separated from God. See, they had taken it and they had brought in death into it. But God wanted to make sure that that death was not a permanent thing. So he takes what would have brought eternal life to this physical form. And he made it where we can't have access to it anymore. That way, this physical thing gets done. Otherwise, we're stuck away from God forever. And now, because of this physical death, there's now we're going to have this opportunity to step over, there is this transformation part afterwards. And we can now be in either permanent blessing, permanent life, heaven with God. Or we can be separated from God. But here, this period of mortality gives us an opportunity to choose and to step over. See, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had, t- had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Not only did he kick him out, he put a guard there. He put heaven's swat right there and made sure that nobody was going to be able to come in and possibly live apart from God forever. Because see, it's beautiful and it's harmonious and awesome as Adam and Eve living in this perfect place of naked and not ashamed. Man, I tell you what, when the knowledge of evil comes in, things can kind of roll downhill in a hurry. And we got a little video to let you kind of see a piece of that. Adam. Does this goat skin make me look big? Looks better on you than the previous owner. What? 
I'm having a hard time losing these last few pounds and sparing your children, and that's the best you can do? I look better than a goat? Thanks. Babe, you know you are the most beautiful woman on the planet. What? I'm the only woman on the planet. Well, I can't help that. You know, and it's amazing that as the only woman on the planet, you still can't seem to remember my birthday or give me flowers once in a while. Well, I did give you a rib. Oh, right. I forgot about that, since you haven't mentioned it for an hour. It's like your free pass to never lift a finger for me again. Never lift a finger? I am out there busting my rear all day. Food just doesn't pop up from the ground. I have to get it with the sweat of my brow. Since someone went and got the ground cursed. You think farming's hard? Try raising those kids. Try giving birth. Well, if someone wouldn't have taken advice from a talking reptile. Oh, here we go. Are you talking to me, little snake? What? Oh, jump off a bridge? Oh, I would, but they haven't been invented yet. Oh, eat this fruit? Well, you look like a pretty trustworthy snake. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, well, we were until you went and pretty much ruined it for all of mankind. So, good job with that. I seem to remember you taking a bite, too. Well, I thought I was eating from the tree of the knowledge of restfulness and serenity. Right. It's never your fault. Besides, what was I going to do with a fallen wife? That would just be weird. Oh, you fell for me? You're an idiot. Idiot? I named every single animal. Right. Great job with that. A, a prairie dog's not a dog, a seahorse isn't a horse, and a bald eagle isn't bald. Well, I was going pretty fast. Aardvark? Platypus? Okay, they were at the back of the line. Not everything can be cat or rat or bat. Hippopotamus? Yeah, well, woman was taken. Okay, how many gorge do you have back there? That was a joke. Not good for men to be alone. <laughs> no, it's great. Hopefully that looks nothing like your home. But I tell you what, when the when wickedness and evil intent and selfish desire, because that was what the enemy played on, was that selfish thing. When that enters in, man, the wheels come off and things just spiral out of control in a hurry. Now, the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is that God, God had a plan. God had a plan even in the midst of. Of this, See, God planned and plotted our rescue from the very beginning. God did not go and sulk for a little while and, and immediately begin to say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just done with these people. You know, there was only two of them. He could have just gone clink, squish, done, let's make a new one, you know. He, you know, it only had a few days work into it anyways, you know. I mean, he, he could have he, he started over. But he didn't. He had created us and, and set us apart for his love. And instead of discarding us or walking out on us or running from us, God immediately began this plot and this plan to rescue us. He did. Because see, every problem, every problem should have the solution. And that's basically what we're dealing with this morning. We're dealing with the death problem and we're moving forward to the life solution. Now... I was uh, uh, raised by awesome parents. My parents are here this morning, and I, they always get to, to pick on them when they're here a little bit, and it's my mom's turn this morning. Happy Easter, Mom. 
And uh, I learned a, a lot of wonderful stuff from my mom. My mom is one of the only ladies I knew that has never, had never drywalled before in her life. There's a lot of women that are that way. But she ripped out all the sheetrock in my bedroom and threw it all out the window because it, to, to totally redo it. Threw the carpet out, all that kind of stuff, and would just learn how to drywall on the fly. And she did, did great. My mom would do those kinds of things. She would see a problem, and she would jump in and provide a solution, and she remodeled our, our home. I mean, just doing it that way, just problem, solution. This needs to be done, get in, and getting in the middle of it. And I, I just so appreciate just being raised in that kind of environment to just roll up your sleeves and get in and, and getting it done. And, but one day... One day when I was in the sixth grade, she looked at my hair and saw a problem and decided there needed to be a solution, in particular, a perm solution. Now, this is 1985, all right? Now, the 80s was the era of bad hair, okay? It just was bad. It, it, it just was bad. And uh, but this my my the, my hair ended up being especially bad. It was eighty. It was bad in the eighties. So you know that's bad. And uh, back then, for whatever reason, I don't know if this was a nationwide phenomenon or not, but at least in West Texas, um, the cool guys had the the cool feathered hair down the middle, the nice flowing bangs, the little fair faucet thing, but guy style. And um, and then for some reason they permed the back of their head. So you got this little kinky permed mullet with the little feathery hair thing. I don't know. It's, it's a conundrum. And so, but it was done. And the cool guys did it. And they carried their brush and they'd do that cool thing. And their hair would do that. And the girls would get weak in the knee. And um, I, had, I had just sad six-year-old busted brown hair. No girls got weak in the knees. No, no nothing. You can't, you can't do much with that. Doing this isn't cool. That is not a cool move. The Fonz did that. You've got to be able to do that. And uh, so my mom decided my hair's just bored straight. That's why it sticks up. I'm so thankful I can still pull it off right now because my hair just does this. And I've done it forever, and I'm thankful because this is what my hair does. And, um, and so my mom decided and talked to her, her beautician lady that if we, if we got a, like a, a perm and get, used the really, really big rods, that it would like just break my hair. Because it has like this will. And it was just going to break the will of my hair. And make it to where it would like be like loose and all. Do, do that cool thing. And of course the only part that had to do the cool thing is the top. So um, my mom pulls me out of, a, out of speedball practice. Which is a game I don't think is even played anymore. That was my athletic endeavor. And uh, pulled me out. And uh, told my coach I had an appointment. I thought I had some secret doctor appointments. Freaked me out. And we go to her uh, lady, and they begin, and we, we do this perm thing. So I, I, she puts these perm and just these rods just on the top of my head. Not on the back where the cool guys had it. Just on the top of my head, and these really big rods. They had the little kinky curls. I had these really big rods because it was just going to give me some wave. Okay? And so she puts it on there and puts it on for half the time. Because she's trying to be diligent. She doesn't want to give me like this perm. And so, but when she undoes it, my, my hair obviously thirsted for permanent solution. It was like, it was like this missing ingredient, and it just like latched on. And so, my hair just soaked it up. And then she takes the rods out and rinses it out. And now I have these nice, huge, spring-tight ringlets on the top of my head. And all this is Buster Brown. 
I tell you what, I look like the only 12-year-old with a toupee. I'm telling you, there's no other thing you call it. That poor boy went bald. And somebody bought him a bad toupee. That is sad. And so I just have this on the, on the top of my head. Well, my mom, she, she was trying. She was trying. She was helping me go to the next level. I was about to go into junior high, and she helped me go to the next level. And uh, so she felt, she felt bad for me. So she was going to go get me some new clothes to maybe outweigh the hair. Well, Miami Vice, man, Miami Vice was in 1985. 1985, so you go and get the little linen pants and the Don Johnson jacket. And he always wore the T-shirts, the colored T-shirts. But for some reason, I guess they didn't have them there at the store. And so we got this nice, flowery, look like I've been to Hawaii with an 85-year-old man shopping for me. And got this nice, flowery shirt with it. And I rolled my sleeves up. And so my... The last time my classmates saw me, I looked like regular Brandon. The next time my classmates see me, I'm dressed Don Johnson-esque. I actually look like some, some 60-year-old guy from Boca that got lost somewhere. Or, or Herb from WKRP. Who's that guy. That's who I look like. I look like Herb. And because uh, I have these big old ringlets on the top of my head and these nice flashy clothes. And uh, it just didn't work. It didn't work. Guess what? No girl swooned. You know what, baby? My, she was protecting me for you. Keeping everybody away from me for you. Thank you, Mom. It was worth it. I appreciate it. But i tell you what, some... some some solutions, they, they're good intended and they, they just don't work. You see the problem? you got to step in here. And you know what? When we look at our sin stuff, we think, we recognize, oh, this death, this destruction, this, this bent towards wickedness that I've got, it needs a solution. So we do a couple of different things, okay? We either try to dress it up, okay? We either try to dress it up. We try to put on the new hair. We try to put on the new churchy clothes. We try to change our vocabulary a little bit. Sound a little more churchy. Try to drop those four-letter words and get out some big old King James Bible long words and put on this religious thing and do these nice stuff. And we try to dress up this death thing and bring that solution in. Guess what? It doesn't work. Guess what? It doesn't work. That's when we do that and do that alone. That is where the people on the outside... They don't see life. They just see hypocrisy. That's why the church can't get into that mess. Because you always start preaching. You always start trying to push it on other people. And you try to get them to dress just as dumb as you're dressed. And so that everybody said the, the, least, the least level of cool possible. And so we, we try that. Or we try the other option. And that, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to ignore it. We're going to ignore it. The next few days after that, I didn't wear the Don Johnson anything. I still had that hair. had this... Actually, I'm one of the few guys that's had a curling iron burn on their forehead. I have. My mom was trying to like do stuff to it, make it like do something else. And, and then and just try to make it go away and just try to ignore it. No, I didn't get a perm. No, no that hadn't happened. No, 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 I didn't. I did, it wasn't there. I don't have a problem. I, that, that's not there. And that's what the, the world's doing. Forget, you know, they say, forget it. We, we don't need to worry about this. We don't have a problem. We're better than most. Who cares? 
Let's just ignore this whole dead thing. You live, you die, it's over. Let's have a lot of fun. And that's not a solution either. See, Revelation 13 says God had this plan from the very beginning. He was rolling this out. says, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Jesus was slain from the creation of the world. Why? Because there in the garden of the creation point, man fell. And we needed a solution from the very beginning. 2 Corinthians 2 says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't recognize it. The enemy didn't know what was going on. That's why we talked about the fact that God plotted. He had this sneak attack plan. He brought Jesus in to pay the price on our behalf. See, Jesus entered our death story at just the right time. And he took death and darkness straight up head on. Romans 8, I mean Romans 5, 6 and 8 says, You see then at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Because you know what? Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. It might happen every once in a while. And though for a good man, someone might dare to die. That's even more rare. That's even more crazy. But for a good, good guy, somebody might lay their life on the line. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died. See, that's the problem. Our issue was we needed life. We needed life. When we went to acquire the fire, we had a, we had a young person that had gone along with us uh, and uh, um, was just had, had even kind of wanted to maybe not go at the very last second and, and got there and just had this incredible moment with God. And then the debrief at the end, she was so bold as to share her testimony. And Rebecca had told me that I have permission to share this by name. And uh, as she's sharing around, she's not, she's not all schooled in the Bible. She doesn't know all of this stuff. She simply sits down and is sharing with him and says, you know what? She goes, I understood. I understand that what I was not feeling was the fact that my heart was dead. But now... I'm alive. Bless God. Yes. Yes. That is it. I love it that Ron Luce there said, he said, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. That is what the empty grave is all about, is that you and I can have real life. We can put away the paste on, put on costumes of religion and get rid of that mess. And we can live the life that is real life. It, it's the, just the truth. Romans 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I tell you the truth, says John. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. See, when humanity had their first dawn, they stepped over into darkness, into night with sin. And then we're stuck in darkness and death. And God's plan is to get us back into the light. And then when we believe in Christ, we believe in what He has done, then then we are able to step out of darkness into the light. There is a new day. There was a day that went dark, but now, because of the, the sacrifice of Christ... There's a new day that is coming on. You've heard it said it before. It's always darkest before the dawn. But guess what? Our dawn is here. And Jesus has given us that new day. We, uh, by nature, are not a bunch of early risers at our home. But Weston, we call rooster. And it's 
no accident that we call him rooster. He's now getting to where he sleeps in a little bit. When he was little, he would just pop up. Sunday, he'd, just pop, he'd even be up early. And so we would have Saturday sleep-in days, and um, he would come in, and he would want to get a bowl of cereal or get something, and he would, he would come in, and he would just wake us up at the, at, you know, way, way early. It'd still be dark outside. So finally, we had to tell Weston. He's like, you know, three or four years old. Say, Weston, you know, don't come in. If you wake up, you just stay in your bed until the sun's out, until you, there's light out your window, then you can get out of your bed, and then the, the, the day can begin. But it's, let's at least wait for daybreak, okay? At least wait that long. And so, sure enough, he, he adapted. He's a good boy. And he would come in and open the door and say, The sun is out! The sun is out! That was not fun to hear. But at least we got a little, a little more sleep. And he would let us know that the sun is out. Folks, but this day, this dawn, this sun is out thing, it doesn't do us any good if you isolate yourself. From the light. While we were traveling, we uh, traveled in a in 08. We were traveling in a motorhome, and we had these blackout shades, which were awesome for taking a nap at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And so, because it would make it pitch black in there. But the problem was, is you had those pulled at night. Sun would come up. You didn't set an alarm. And I mean, there seriously were days that we would look at our clock, and all of a sudden it says eleven o'clock. Like, what kind of lazy person am I? It's 11 o'clock, and I'm just now getting up. Well, the, it didn't do us any good. The sun had been blocked out. The day had been going. It had been rolling for hours. And But because we had pulled the shades down and we were isolated from it, it didn't do us any good at all. See, John 20, we have this moment. We're looking at this resurrection moment. <clears throat> and we have the women run into the tomb. And it says, at this... Mary turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. There's the Son of God standing there, resurrected. And she doesn't recognize it. And he says, Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary... And she turned toward him and she cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni. The lights came on. She recognized it. She recognized it. Folks, the dawn is here. The new day has come. And folks, you and I, we need to come awake to that fact. And no one caught in sin remained inside the lie in worship. We fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and led for us. For us, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with Him again. 
Come away, come away, come and rise up from the rain. Beneath the weight of all our sin, you bow to none but heaven's will. No scheme of hell, no scoffer's crown, no burden grave can hold you down in strength. You reign forever, let your church proclaim. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with Him again. Come away, come away, come and rise up from the grave. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Come stand in the light Our God is not dead He's alive, He's alive Christ is risen from the dead Trampling over death by death Come awake, come awake Come and rise up from the grave Christ is risen from the dead We are one with Him again Come awake, come awake Come and rise up from the grave Christ is risen from the dead Trembling over death by death Come away, come away Come and rise up from the grave Christ is risen from the dead We are one with Him again Come away, come away Come and rise up from the grave sun is out. The Son of God is out Amen. of the grave. Amen. He is out. And that, folks, that changes everything. That, there was that day when perfection was there and the darkness came in and there's a new dawn, there is a new day and we can live in the light of the new day. And it undoes, it undoes the destruction and the death that came in in that first place. It is a new day. Ephesians 5, it is... For it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. John says, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He also says that Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In verse 11, He is telling a lady that he was baited to try to bring death and judgment. A woman caught in the act of adultery. And they wanted him to give the go-ahead to kill her and stone her right there. And he says, I don't condemn you. 
go and sin no more. Go and be freed from the death cycle. Get out of it. And turns to everybody and says that I'm the light of the world. He's not bringing death and destruction. He wants to free us from death and destruction. This morning, that is what this is about. Let's come awake to it. Let's come awake to it. The greatest act of thanks that we can give Jesus for giving all that he has given us is by simply living in the light of this new day. Of this new day. If you've been a believer for years, say, Jesus, how do I go forward with the resurrection life that you've given me? If you are not a believer, you can, we can change that right now. Right this minute. And step into your new day. In fact, I'd appreciate it if everybody would just kind of create a quiet moment right now. With nobody, nobody looking around and you say, hey...